This is the EdSurge podcast for the week of April 13th to April 17th. We bring you the EdTech leading news and opinion that you love from EdSurge, but on the go. Each week on this show, we bring you the top stories from EdSurge News. It's all geared towards educators, entrepreneurs, and investors, and all right on your favorite device. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the EdSearch Podcast. I'm Charlie Locke. And I'm Mary Jo Mata. So, MJ, as someone who proudly grew up in Los Angeles, you must be excited for the EdSearch LA Tech for School Summit next weekend. I am absolutely beyond excited. <laughs> and, you know, our EdSearch offices are technically in the Bay Area, but I have to say that Personally, I think that ed tech in schools, especially in L.A., is absolutely booming. And there is going to be a heck of a lot of representation at this event, mostly because we've got a lot of partners involved. We've got one parochial school, a couple of public systems, a couple of charter systems. It's going to be the event of the season. Wow. So for educators who are looking to attend the event of the season, how would they go about coming to the summit? Well, it's not too late to join. It's all free. And on April 24th and 25th is when the event is taking place. So all you have to do is head on over to edsurge.com slash summits and you can register. Sounds good. Okay, I think it's time for the news. MJ, you want to start us off? Yep, here we go. We are extremely excited to announce the second annual Digital Innovation in Learning Awards, also known as the DILAs. EdSurge and Digital Promise launched the awards last year to recognize the most innovative people in education through 15 categories of awards as a way to share their strategies. This year, we'll continue to give credit where credit is due. So, educators, administrators, and organizations, submit your videos to showcase your work. The Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, or FERPA, hasn't been revised since it was written in 1974 to protect student educational records, long before flipped classrooms or one-to-one iPads. U.S. Representatives John Klein and Bobby Scott have released the draft of bill that would reshape FERPA. What would the changes mean for the edtech industry? As the data quality campaign's Paige Kowalski explained to EdSurge, it would increase responsibility for educational service providers, expand the definition of an educational record, and increase opportunities for parents to opt out of student data collection. If you're personalizing learning experiences at your school, it can be tempting to just copy the digital playbook of a successful school down the street or in another state. But that's no way to personalize. And EdSurge columnist Michael Horn, who is also the exec director of education at the Christensen Institute, offers some tips. For example, start off with an open slate and smart questions, and wait to find those technologies that are right for you until you've zeroed in on your challenges. It's time for venture capital firms to get more diverse and to own up to their failed bets, according to Fahad Hassan. After his company, Always Prepped, was acquired by Alma, Hassan is busy reaching out to VCs and has some honest observations on the largely white male world of venture capital. About owning up to risky investments that ended up failing, he writes, As an entrepreneur, I would probably want your money more than anyone else's if a fund admitted how difficult their jobs were and that not every bet is a home run. Ding, 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 here's an interesting money blurb. Hundreds of thousands of teachers have successfully funded classroom projects using Donors Choose. And according to the site, 70.5% of the projects are funded. So how can you increase your chances of getting to that 70.5? We took a look at the data and found that projects focused on nutrition, environmental science, and economics are most likely to succeed. 
it's time for Kachings. Israeli startup Tonara has raised a $5 million Series B round led by Baidu. Tonara makes two music apps, one that teaches piano and one that displays sheet music and turns the page for you automatically. And a couple of acquisitions to mention. TES Global has acquired Melbourne-based Unijobs, a university-focused job site. And Blackboard has acquired Remote Learner UK, the company that offers open-source support for course management system Moodle in the UK and Ireland. Blackboard again? Yeah. For those of you keeping score at home, that's the ninth acquisition by Blackboard in the past 12 months. Jeez, that's just, that number just keeps on going up. It does, and you know, I bet they're not done yet. It's time for our big debate. And with announcements of 2016 presidential bids in the news, we've got a lot to talk about. The election, which is still more than 550 days away, may seem far off, but it's a blink in political time. Team Ed Surge, like many, will be watching the race very closely, and what happens in the race will have a direct effect on what happens in classrooms all over the country. So we thought you might be curious to hear what the education policy debate looks like so far. Here to tell us a little bit about it is Ed Surge's own Michael Winters. Hey, Charlie. Hey. So, sorry we relegated you from hosting duty to research duty this week. What have you got for us? <laughs> yeah, you, sh- you sure did, but I, I, <laughs> I didn't mind. So, here's the deal. We're going to do our best to keep readers updated on the very basics of what each of the candidate believes. So, before we get to that, let's start with some facts about the campaign. As of this recording, which is on Wednesday, April 15th at 1.10 p.m. Pacific time, there are four candidates who have officially declared their candidacy for the office of the president, one Democrat and three Republicans. Let's start with that one Democrat. It was some of the biggest news anywhere this week that Hillary Clinton, former first lady, senator and secretary of state, is running for office. So what do we know about Hillary and education? Well, and this is interesting, we don't actually know a whole lot about her education platform for the 2016 election. Mm. I I wasn't able to find hardly anything about it. Um, Though this week she did express what could perhaps be called support for the Common Core. She was in Iowa this week and she described the Common Core as a good idea that has been taken hostage by the political process. Okay, but what has she said in past elections? Yeah, we know a lot more about her stances on education in the past. For example, in the 2008 presidential primary, she secured the endorsement of the American Federation of Teachers. Mm. Her 2008 campaign website also includes a host of general campaign promises on education, like recruit and retain thousands more outstanding teachers and principals, and create environmentally friendly schools. Now, earlier than that, as a senator from New York in 2001, she voted in favor of the original No Child Left Behind Act, but as a primary candidate in 2008, she advocated including measures beyond just standardized testing in the assessment that's required by that law. Oh, well, so her views have really changed with time. Yeah, actually, as many people have pointed out, it's it's a potential weakness for Hillary that she's been in the public eye for so long in politics. That's a lot of time for a person to change her mind and be on the record about changing her mind. And that makes it easier for people to call you a flip-flopper and wave sandals in your face. <laughs> so do you think Hillary will give us more detail on her education plan? Oh, yeah, she definitely will. You know, we are talking about the election because it is kind of coming up, but these are still early days. And remember that Hillary doesn't even have an official challenger for the primary yet. 
As we draw closer to the actual votes, uh, which, by the way, don't start until January or February 2016, we will definitely see more detail. Okay, so let's switch gears to the Republican candidates then. Great. Those are Senators Ted Cruz of Texas, Rand Paul of Kentucky, and Marco Rubio of Florida. Right. So there is one giant similarity between the three of these candidates. All three are opposed to Common Core, and all three say that they would repeal it. And why is that? Well... To summarize, they believe that Common Core is an overreach by the federal government and that states and local municipalities should have the power to make their own curricula. So as an example, here is a clip from Rand Paul's website. As the size of the Department of Education increases, test scores and scholastic performances have decreased. More money, more bureaucracy, and more government intervention are eroding our educational standards. I believe in more local control over education, where states, localities, and parents can play a much more significant role in their children's schooling. And uh, in addition to this argument about federal overreach, support or opposition to the Common Core has become a bit of political shorthand. What, what I mean by that is that if you support the measure, say many, you're in favor of big government. If you oppose Common Core, then you're against big government. And many Republicans today, especially Senator Cruz and Senator Paul, are against big government. Okay, so what else do we know about them? Well, Senator Rubio and Senator Cruz both explicitly support school voucher plans, and each one of them has introduced legislation uh, at the federal level that would create voucher programs. Senator Paul has explicitly stated that as president, he would abolish the Department of Education, and Senator Rubio has joined him in this view, though at least I read Senator Rubio's announcement on the Department of Education that it's a little bit more reluctant than, than Senator Paul. As you read it with all of your political reporting expertise. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> and yeah, that, that's actually uh, something that we should point out explicitly. Our forte at EdSurge is not political reporting, but we know that readers and listeners are interested, so we want to try to summarize this information for you. We've put up a post on our site called EdSurge Politics 2016 Election Resources, where we'll be organizing some broad summaries of each candidate and linking to resources where you can learn more. We'll update that site as often as we can. And before you go back to researching, Michael, there's one more candidate I wanted to ask you about. Jeb Bush? Yes, yes, Jeb Bush. Is Jeb Bush running? Uh, the answer is that he almost certainly is, according to lots of sources. He just hasn't officially announced his candidacy yet. So when he does, we'll add him and, and start collecting info. When and if that happens, that'll be big news in the education world. Jeb Bush is widely seen as the potential candidate with the most education experience. Hmm. So what do you think the election has coming in terms of education? Well, again, as someone who is not an expert, uh, but someone who does find this all very interesting and, and follows as closely as, as he can, I think that we're going to see education come up a lot in the 2016 election trail. Uh, Common Core, like we talked about, it, is a very hot and very divisive issue. And like I mentioned, it's sort of a political yardstick that candidates are using to be quickly measured by potential voters and other candidates. And on the post-secondary education side, I think we're going to hear a lot about the cost of a college education and the return on that investment that students receive and how the government might help or might better stay out of the way to lower the costs. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and lending your researching expertise and interest, Michael. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. And finally, are you looking for a job in ed tech? 
Well, if you are, you are absolutely in luck because EdSurge is hosting its third jobs fair on April 29th at GSV Labs in Redwood City, California. At the jobs fair, we'll help EdTech companies shift into higher gear and help you find an awesome job. Get your free pass to attend the fair today because we typically run out of tickets. And if you're a company and want to meet the talent pool, just shoot a note to helen at edsurge.com. Also, a big thank you to Michael Horn, Todd Moore, and all of the other writers who contributed to EdSurge this week. And a special shout out to Brett Turner, Director of Personalized Learning at the Tennessee Department of Education, who shouted out on Twitter this week that he's become an EdSurge podcast convert. Thank you. We appreciate it. We really do. And of course, thanks to all of you for listening and reading EdSurge. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. I'm Charlie Locke. And I'm Mary Jo Matta. We will see you all next week. This is the EdSurge Podcast.